Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajisad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists and today we have a very special guest with us, freelance automotive journalist Dan Heyman, whose content has touched every part of the Canadian automotive industry. Every part. Public media, publications, and everything I can think of. Isn't that right, Dan? You flatter me, Sammy. You the, flatter me. The forehead, but, uh, the underbelly, <laughs> back of the knees. The, the back of the knees, the knuckles. Yeah, I um, uh, the eyebrows. Yeah, I uh, I you can my content can be found in in numerous places in the Canadian automotive landscape. So Ask yes, I guess his you could DNA. say. Oh come on, come on. Dan, Dan and uh, and I go uh, way back. Actually, he was one of the first automotive journalists I met when I started this industry, and he's always been uh, extremely friendly to me. And uh, I'm very happy to have him on the podcast. Ben, I understand, has a completely opposite experience. Yeah. And <laughs> what I don't understand is if 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 it's so good to have him on the podcast, Sammy, why did it take eight months for it to happen? Honestly, I didn't even know if he was listening to us and if he wanted to be a part of the program or not. And I was afraid that he was going to be ashamed at our audio quality. But it turns out that he quite likes it. So let's get this podcast on a roll. And um, I would like to start with our guest. He has been in some very interesting locations driving some cool cars. So why don't you tell me a little bit about this uh, vacation? And that's in quotations. That's in air quotes, uh, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I, I got the sense from the tone of your voice there, Sammy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I uh, I was just in France, and I had the pleasure of piloting. I will say piloting the um, Q60 Infinity. It's their new coupe, uh, coupe, I guess, because it's in France. Um, with a four-cylinder turbo motor and rear-wheel drive. Uh, Whoa, the rear-wheel okay. drive. Yeah, we've yeah, got to we've yeah. got to stop for a second because every <sighs> Q60 I've driven has been a six-cylinder with a 400 horsepower all-wheel drive. Actually, I've driven a six-cylinder with a rear-wheel drive. I didn't even know that this four-cylinder even existed. I know if you can find it on the website. Yeah, but uh, U.S. U.S. only, uh, okay. not in Canada, because you know Canadians, as you said in one of your recent casts. We have to have all-wheel drive in the snow. It's just the only way to be safe. Thank you, okay. CHR. But, so what's uh, the deal yeah. with this uh, four-cylinder in the Infinity? Well, it's a turbo four. Um, it's uh, the it's it's. I guess I guess you'd say it's their entry-level motor. But and and it works when you think about it for the European market, I guess, because you know that is a place where turbo small t- small turbo motors are all the rage. Um, better gas is expensive there. And I had to fill up a few times, and the euros are not so so nice um, when you're having to fill up on a car in premium '98, <laughs> which it does recommend. Uh, so you know, it's it's. But to be honest with you, there's a lot of uh, de- not de- not quite de-restricted, but you've got like 130 kilometer an hour cruising zones mm-hmm. uh, there, and I had no trouble with uh, with what the um, with what the Infinity provided, and I've driven the six. I've driven the six-cylinder versions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, both the I was on the launch schedule, both the the the, the 300 and the 400, and I, I'm not going to say I was left wanting for more power. Well, what, how much power does the turbo have? The yeah, power? I'm uh, I'm actually just pulling that up right now. Is that all that clicking I heard? That's yeah, exactly. Um, it's I think it's around 271, I believe horsepower. Oh wow, it's hilarious to yeah. me that we're we're like casting shade on a 270 horsepower entry level motor. Like, but I'm trying, but that's just it. I'm trying not, I'm trying not to cast shade. No, on. but I'm I mean the idea I, that it's you know somehow oh, yeah. lesser than. Like, let's go back 10 years and think of how many cars in 2007 had 270 horsepower available. 
and then think about how many of those were, you know, not the, the entry level versions of whatever those cars were. I'm mistaken. I'm sorry. That was 208 horsepower. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, that's shade yeah. all day long shade on that. Shade all day long. And 258 pound-feet of torque uh, on that. The seven-speed automatic trans. That's, uh, that's really interesting. It seems like now that Infiniti has uh, a different horsepower rating for each buyer. For the 200 in the entry level, there's a 300 horsepower motor in the, uh, the mid-range, and then there's and a 400. 400. <laughs> and if you know the secret so, handshake, there's a 500, too. That's right. <laughs> Um, only only Ben is savvy to that secret handshake, and he'll take it to the grave, as far as I know. I, that signed, that I signed a document. Um, <laughs> a non-disclosure clause. Yeah. Dan, I'm really interested to to. I, I was very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it is extremely jazzed. interesting to hear. Yeah, jazzed. I am jazzed to hear your assessment on this four-cylinder engine because the Q60 Red Sport, which I piloted, was four thousand pounds, and this thing felt Are like you a, using like my a piloted car. Are you using my piloted, Sammy? You can't do that. I say piloted. You don't get to say it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm the captain now. <laughs> I'm yes. the captain. I've noticed um, that. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, it's a little rough, I guess, at some points. You can feel it, the vibrations through it. Um, but I was really surprised that I'd be clicking along and I would get to 130 kilometers an hour and I'd have no... I have no real problem uh, there getting a little more if I had to make a pass, something like that. And I was really, I was really surprised. It feels like a lot more than 208 horsepower. It really does. What about the um, underground uh, France street racing scene? Like, how did it do there? It, uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say. Like, when you lined they, up beside Jacques and, like, Jacques put his cigarette out and, like, looked over at you. He was in a front-wheel drive Peugeot RCZ. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I really wanted to take this guy down. Um, but Jacques, Jacques beat me, though. He did. He always and, does. Oh. I don't know how. I don't know how either. He could have been driving a 106. It wouldn't have mattered. And he would have beaten me. He's very Too soon. Good. But it's not the car. No fault of the car. He's just an extremely good driver. He's the Samuel. Samuel get this joke. He's the M. Rossi of the underground street racing world. Okay. Is what he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, but it was it was great. And the thing about the front of the engine is that it's a lighter up front now, right? So you know, you know. More... I, so I'm gonna. I don't want to interrupt, but I'm going to. That bothers me, um, that phrasing, because we see that in every press release or presentation that we get. Whenever mm-hmm. an automaker steps back from a V6 to a four-cylinder, we <laughs> always hear, oh, but it's lighter up front now. And then we're expected to incorporate that into our review. And I just feel like it's become it's become a cliche of the Turbo 4 world. And yeah, that they're I, always having these light front ends. And it's, it's like, who out there is in the showroom and they're like, hey, uh, I have a question. Um, I know it has less power, but is it lighter is in the front? Is the front end lighter? You asked me how I felt that it handles. All right. And I'm telling you. So, so I'm answering Sammy's question, and I'm telling you, I found a handle, no problem. The, the main problem I have with the handling is that I don't like that disconnect steer by wire. I'll just right. never get on board with that. Yeah, it's I just not can't. I, the, it's weird when you're, on, when, you're on, when you're on the limit, and it's at the limit, and it's weird when you're moving around town slowly, and it's like there's that weird springy action at either lock. It's just, it's, just, it's unnatural in every situation. Totally, totally. And there's a lot of tight, narrow alleyways where I was visiting and in the underground street racing circuit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and those, it was getting to be kind of frustrating. Um, and there's no that. need for it either. Like, again, no, there really is. No, no customer really has asked for this. I want, I want to be like a fighter pilot who flies by wire. And I want to drive by wire. I know, exactly. There isn't. And 
<laughs> I don't care what they tell me about how you can adjust easily adjust all you know how much inputs required, how heavy the steering feels. Yes, you can do all that once you surf through all the menus, uh, but you it doesn't I, it doesn't it doesn't sway me to be honest. Give me a proper rack, proper rack. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> would you recommend this vehicle um, over some of the German competition, like or even even Japanese competition, like um, like an RC three fifty or something like that, or or the 200T, I suppose, would be the more, um, in more in line. But what about oh, say, this like four-cylinder particular? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I haven't driven the 200T. I've only driven the four the four-door 200T, the IS 200T, um, which I which I which I liked, handled really really well. I really like the Q60 because I think it I think it looks, and I, I don't know if I like it at the two at the four-cylinder level. Unfortunately, um, I've also driven the Mercedes C300 Coupe. And I've driven the BMW 340 or for uh, 340X sedan as well. Again, unfortunately, but they they're all very similar cars. They're though. all very similar cars, but I like the Infiniti. I love I love the, I love its looks, mm -hmm. the seat position. I like the tech it has inside, except for that steering, of course. Okay. Um, I like I like all that. The seats are really really good. Really? Uh, okay. The yeah, I found the seats great, and we covered a lot of ground. We covered mm -hmm. about. 1500 kilometers altogether and so yeah so that's like the entirety of, of europe right like europe's only like, <laughs> yeah, like well, 1600 kilometers i think no well, tip some to of tail. that was some of that was taken up by lapping the le mans circuit though I and mean, that's not a joke that's actually true Ooh. because the le mans circuit as you probably know or maybe you don't is mo a lot of it's run on public roads and right. as soon as so I wasn't in the underground racing scene. I was at Le Mans actually, and I was really mm -hmm. at Le Mans. And, and you so can was take Jacques. Jacques, no, Jacques wasn't there. Jacques, that's that Jacques doesn't go there. He doesn't like to. He doesn't like the exposure it brings. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like it. Uh, and I don't. <laughs> I understand. Much, but it was too much, <laughs> too much heat. Too much heat. <laughs> it is. It was hot. But that was really cool to be able to drive on the Mulsanne Strait, which is which is a public road. Was an was just a really cool thing to be able to do. I don't know. It was just. It was. Did you put the hammer down? How 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 fast? Well, did it's you get funny it? because we we it's a ninety kilometer an hour limit, and it's apparently very strictly enforced because we talked to the ladies at the Le Mans Museum there to find out the road was open yet because it was the day after the race had ended, and she was like, "Oh yeah, it's open to at four o'clock on Sunday. It's open, but make sure you adhere." This is all being said in French to that ninety kilometer an hour speed limit. I think that's what she was saying. Maybe she was saying, "You idiot, don't speed." I don't know, but. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty, so the turn, like Indianapolis curves when doing 90 don't seem quite so imposing as when I was doing 200 video, virtually in Forza Motorsport 6 a week before I left. <laughs> that's, so, uh, that's a really cool experience nonetheless. I mean, I've was. never been to, awesome. I've never been to Le Mans, yeah. so, and I don't know, Ben, if you've been to Le Mans. No, not at all. That's, yeah, uh, it. you've got an exclusive on us there, Dan. Yeah, the Le Mans, Le Mans to me is, I love it. It's kind of a mecca, really. And this is my third time there. I've been to the race once. I've visited three times. And I love the whole lore surrounding it. They have a great museum there with a whole room full of die casts. Ben knows all about that kind of stuff. And die casts of all these great, all the great race cars of the air. And it's really cool to see how the cars evolved over the years. And just unbelievable exhibits. Then you go out in the racetrack, and it's like the most ultimate, ultimate thing. And I and I love it there. I really do. And I'll be back one day for sure. For sure awesome. Sure. Yeah. Um, and while you're in such a talkative mood, and you're not, you haven't tired of yourselves out right now. Uh, the reason you actually got in touch with us for the podcast had to do with something that Ben said in a recent um, review uh, episode. Dan, 
what was the what was the issue here? I uh, I was talking more about what he said in his write up of the Alfa Romeo car. If that's what you're getting at, is that what you're getting oh, at? That's right. Yes. Um, um, yeah, Ben, is that weird? Go have ahead. Ben. Had somebody? Did you have you ever had anybody like reach out to you over this uh, Alfa Romeo? Oh, it's not um, weird at all. Really? Everyone, everyone in the world thinks I'm an idiot. Oh no. Well, I would quite. Go ahead, Ben. No one is on the same page as I am when it comes to the to the Giulia Quadra Quadrifoglio. Yeah. In my um in my city, there's a radio program, a sports program, and there's a section called "Tell Me I'm Wrong," where people call in and say, "You're wrong about what you said here," or "Tell me I'm wrong. I think this." And if you're really wrong, you get the distinction of being the mayor of Wrongville, Ben. You're more than the mayor of Wrongville. Whoa. You are the mayor. Of, you are the president of Wrong World, is what you are with your assessment of this car. It is fantastic. The All engine right. is fantastic. I think. I, okay, I was blown okay. Hold away up. By. Hold up. Let's. We gotta. We gotta. Guys, can you sit down? You're both. You're both <laughs> riled up. You look upset. Ben's turning red. Dan, you're you're frothing at the mouth. We've got. Oh a, yeah. I need some water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the 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 things that Ben I remember Ben saying that the car was was very very good very attractive it's a unique offering in the in that segment um, the engine was a bit much and um, in order to hear it in, in fact the one of the best experiences of the car was hearing it which had to do with the the race mode is that right Ben yeah so there's no sport exhaust button if you want to hear the sport exhaust you have to put it in race mode and if you put it in race mode you don't have any traction control or stability control. And if you want traction control or stability control, you only have it in dynamic or any other mode because there's no difference between the dynamic mode traction control and the eco mode traction control. They're exactly the same. There's no traction control button, period. So it's either you're all in and things are crazy or you're all out and things are really boring. And every other car on the market at its price point, or should I say below its price point because it's pretty expensive – yeah, you have multi-stage traction control. If you look at the ATSV and it has five stages of PTM, performance traction management. So my big problem with the car is that is too much. What's that? <laughs> yeah, is that's, that too, that's much, five too much. Five stages though? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Because okay. especially if you consider the fact that the ATS's powertrain is way more manageable, the okay. the, the Quadrifoglio it generates a shit ton of power in the top RPM range. And that top RPM range arrives really quickly. So in order to stay on top of it, it's almost impossible using the manual shifters in a performance situation, especially on the street. So you're kind of in a situation where they just throw you into the deep end right away in a car that is overpowering its tires on a regular basis and is difficult to drive in an enjoyable way unless you're going full out. And if you're going full out, you're not safe. That, that, that's my argument against the car. I, I, I understand that. And what I, what, I found, what I find strange is that I just I didn't get the sense that it was so much more unmanageable than the C63 I drove two weeks ago, to be the honest. C, the I, C63 never threatened to switch ends on me at any point when I was driving it. The okay. Alpha, I could get the Alpha sideways in a heartbeat on any surface, whether it was wet or dry. And that, that, is, a, that is a huge that fun, difference. Though? Yeah. What's that? I, I, I don't know if your tires are different than mine because I, I was giving it the beans pretty good. And I'm, I'm honest when I say my main issue with the handling was that I found you is the steering while very direct was down on feel. So I was a little nervous about what the front end was doing. I, and, I, found, I found the steering to be great. I, I like the chassis a lot. I just thought the chassis yeah. was easily overpowered. Overpowered and, by the motor. Yeah. yeah and and I, I just couldn't enjoy the car. It, it's it's like it was not. 
relaxing to drive at any point. It never felt like I was completely in control of the vehicle. Um, and it never felt like it, it, all the other cars in its class, I could put my foot to the floor and not scare myself. And hmm. in this car, I couldn't do that. Well, yeah, well, then okay. I, that's I an just, interesting, it was on yeah, Pirelli, I, it was on Pirelli courses. That's, that's what mine was writing. Yeah. And I think yeah, those mine are, too, mine too. Yeah. yeah, standard. Yeah. Would you yeah. mind if I jump in for a second? Um, I think maybe you guys have two different, uh, expectations of the vehicle. I mean, Ben, you, you keep asking about, you keep suggesting, you know, relaxing or, or, or feeling comfortable in the vehicle. And I would probably agree with that assessment of the vehicle because it's a it's meant to compete in a luxury segment. And, and it's a street car. It's not even a sports car. It's a sedan. And Dan, you seem really you seem okay with how how like I guess I just never the vehicle I is. never got the sense uh, that I was that I that I was nervous about the rear end breaking away from me. My main nervousness came from not knowing what the front end grip was. And so maybe because of that, because of that kind of predisposition I never pushed – I didn't push it as hard as Ben was pushing it to get well, that I, rear end out because I, I just didn't – I didn't even have to ahead. push it that hard. Like it felt like you know, going That's around really a corner, weird. just give, give it a little gas. And, it, and, and here's the thing. The chassis hmm. is good enough that you can catch it right away. And I know oh, sure, me sure. immediately. And the steering um, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you're not someone who's expecting that, a.k.a. 90% of the people who buy these cars, it's a dangerous situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Then I guess we're gonna have to agree to disagree only because I don't, and, and I and I appreciate what you're saying, and, and I and you're it's really well thought out. But I just I can't say I ever felt that that it was gonna come around to me. And I was in the dry. I'll give you that. I was in the dry, but I was on some pretty crappy tarmac, and I never, I just never. All I felt was immediate push, and I loved it, and I wanted to do it more. And the way the engine sits back in the engine bay like that, and all that, I just think is so is just a well balanced package. I don't know. Well, what's, confu what's confusing to me about it, the whole thing, is I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand why Alpha did it. Like, why be this different when it comes to traction control? Why not have an, an actual on-off button for the traction control system? First of all, it just seems strange. And why only one program? Like, that, why is there not a sporty traction control, stability control program? That's a totally fair question. To your point, when I was going through the DNA modes, you know, the DNA they have there. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I wasn't really sure what I was adjusting, right, when I first it's, got in. It's basically and, throttle response and shift points. No, I, eventually I, I got it. But when I first got in there, most cars, you know right away, you see the traction control light come on if you've yeah. activated that. You, you know, and plus, again, also remember that this is an all-new system to – I don't know about you, Ben, but I – or Sammy. I've never driven uh, an Alfa Romeo before with this – with this kind of system built into it. And I'm, when I get into a BMW or Mercedes, I'm used to kind of the interfaces and what kind of differences the different sport modes and various modes make. But this alpha, or this alpha was kind of just learning as I went, right? Well, they, you um, know, so it's, it's, it's similar to the DNA system, I guess, in the 4C. Um, oh, you've driven the 4C, right? I've never had a chance. I've never had the pleasure of which is Which is a car that's, you know, a completely different character. You love that car, don't you? I absolutely love that car. I would yeah. marry that car and have its dirty <laughs> babies. But um, it's just I really expected to like the Quadrifoglio. You, you know, my 13-year-old Cadillac has multi-stage traction control. Sure. Sure. And it's, it's it's not like it's a new it's an, it's not like it's a new thing. So it just kind of feels like either being different to be different, which I don't believe is the case, or they overlooked it, which I don't want to believe is the case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. 
Uh, oh, so, Stabby, you're going to have to drive it because you're going to have to find a way to moderate this thing. I'm going to have to be the tiebreaker. Well, you know what? Yeah. No, there's, the, the, the internet has been the tiebreaker. I mean, everyone thinks <laughs> – yeah. so. like I said, everyone is on my case about it. I, tons of comments and other writers are like, wow, maybe Ben's completely lost and this is like the first sign that he's cracking. But I, 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 <laughs> I had – You have another road a lot. It's like it's like uh, Johnny Lieberman said when I posted that I wasn't really into the the Raptor. He's like, "Why do you hate fun?" Like you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. maybe that's who I am now. Maybe I'm like old man hunting who just doesn't get these newfangled turbos. Hunting. Oh boy. Um, I I also it's... want to talk a little bit about this engine because I've heard something similar from uh, other other journalists about the way it delivers power in the high end, which is totally a, like the opposite of every other turbocharged engine you've ever like I've ever heard of. It just like gives you everything in the high end of the of the the, the rev range, while most try to like are tuned to give you lots of feel down low. It's kind of like that's kind of like well, it's kind of like the Porsche 930 of modern sports sedans, where they're like. <laughs> They're like, here's here's all the power right now and good luck. Like good that's, luck. <laughs> yeah. Hit the throttle now to make sure you hit the apex at the right time. You know, it's five it's feet super the, peaky. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. Like you don't often you're right, you don't often see that peaky delivery in a in a turbo, especially not one that has you know, it's a, it's almost a three liter six. And we were just talking about the uh the Infinity Q sixty, and that's also a three liter six twin turbo. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it's which is this you know almost the same displacement of engine and it has none of these features. Like oh yeah, that's that's a really really smooth engine. Yeah. Oh, so great. that's a great engine for sure. It's on. Of course, it doesn't have 500 horsepower. It has 400. Although I'm mm-hmm. sure it could easily have 500. Uh, but it's a, it's it's a design decision on Alpha's part. That's for sure. It doesn't accidentally happen this way. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, I I do look forward to the chance of to drive one of these and i'll probably take it when i when i get that chance um because sammy is a legitimate automotive journalist who should be given that chance about that but i am excited because uh the car looks great it sounds wonderful uh it's a it's an amazing option for people who don't want the established um players in this segment which have become a bit sterile or boring i don't know what the best word would be uh for say a three series or a c-class or an a4 this is something else. This is something completely different. Well, you know, I like the 340 a lot, but I don't really like the M3 at all. You don't like the M3. Will, you, elab- will you elaborate on that? Yeah. Did Dan, you don't like the M3? Is that what no, you're no, saying? no. I, I questioned, uh, just like Sammy said, I, I just, I'm curious to see. I think it has, I think it has terrible steering. Um, mm-hmm. I think it feels heavy. I think it does the, feel heavy. I agree with that. The DCT transmission in it is not great. Uh, the manual is okay. It just doesn't feel fun. It's it's like here's a car that's really fast, but it's not engaging whatsoever. And the M4 is kind of worse because it's 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 really heavy too. For a two door. Yeah. Yeah. So your mo- your mo- your 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 pick of the of the group is like a C63 or an ATS V then. Well, I think this I think those are two different cars, but I think they're better than better options than the M3. I think the C63 is kind of I mean, it used to be a muscle car kind of feel, and now it feels like a, a really fast GT that's really smooth and it'll it'll Agreed. handle if you it'll you know, it's handle handle if you needed to. I wouldn't take it to the track. I don't think it would necessarily be the most fun option. I think the ATSV is the best handler of the bunch. It has the worst interior. It doesn't really feel hmm. special. You're inside of it, and it looks like every other ATSV, and it's a mm-hmm. huge. Also, got Cadillac Q. 
Yeah, that's true. But I mean, if you look at the CTSB, it has that really cool digital dash, the LCD display, true. and all, all the stuff that makes you feel like, wow, I, I paid a lot for this car, and I'm Agreed. a special person. You know, and the and ATSB, the ATSB has that that junky. Um, it's a terrible dash. Display. It's just, oh yeah. It's, it's so bad, and there's no reason for that. I mean, and, and underneath that hides a great chassis and an engine that I like a lot, but a lot of people say, well, it doesn't sound great and it doesn't really inspire you. I mean, listen to an M3. It it, it sounds pretty terrible. And that's it's, love, it's, yeah. That's really funny. See, I like, of the pick, I think the, as much as I love the C63, uh, the it's missing the one thing that the ATS has, which is a manual transmission. And I think that's the mm-hmm. sweetest part of the deal. Yeah, that's yeah. that's another good point. Uh, that's, that's kind of why I feel like the C has kind of moved into GT territory. But hold the phone here. Jeremy Clarkson loves the Alpha. So doesn't Jeremy that mean Clarkson. it's good? I think that's the first time anyone's mentioned Jeremy Clarkson on this podcast. I hate to, I hate to be the guy. Damn it, I hate to be that guy. Sorry. Sorry, Dan I hate had, to be that guy. Dan had to darken our door with Jeremy Clarkson's name. But <laughs> um, to be but honest, you know what? I think Clarkson is right. The car has a lot of personality. Uh, and that's what yeah. that's what makes it stand out um, significantly. Oh, for sure. Uh, personality, heaps and heaps of personality. Right, right into the wall. <laughs> It'll personalize itself right off a cliff. But um, I, I think of all of them, though. I hate to. Say, I, I I know you guys probably aren't going to buy this, but I, I I've driven all of them, and I to be honest, it's the one that I, I can remember really wanting to have more more time with. Well, you're really, breaking up there. Could you say that again? I, I didn't catch what you wanting said. Wanting to have more. Time. Sorry. Yeah, it's the sorry. It's just the one vehicle of of that group that I can remember really wanting to have more time with. Which was, one was that? Was the, was the, alpha. the alpha. The alpha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, that 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 sounds uh, that sounds like it's possible. I can believe that. <laughs> yeah. Um, ben, what else is going on in your world? Are you driving anything uh, interesting or fun this week? I uh, I spent the last two days um, living another life inside the Rolls Royce Dawn. <laughs> okay. You're talking about a car that costs how much? Three hundred ninety thousand U.S. According to the sticker in my uh, dashboard. That's a lot of coin, man. Yeah, so that's like what half a million Canadian, five hundred ten thousand Canadian, I think. And um, uh, is there any? Do you have any impressions in this vehicle? Is it? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, the previously the only other Rolls Royce I'd driven, modern Rolls Royce, was the Wraith, and the Dawn and the Wraith are similar vehicles, if I understand it correctly. Uh, same platform, and same, same drivetrain. And what's interesting is the Wraith. So. It's a little weird, but they built the Wraith, which is a two-door coupe, for those who aren't familiar. It's a two-door coupe that's the size of your house. It's enormous. They're very, very big cars. And they designed it to yeah. be the driver's car in the Rolls-Royce stable. Um, and it's not really a driver's car at all. Uh, and it shouldn't be. It doesn't need to be. This is an ultra-luxury vehicle. And I drove it, and yes, it's extremely well-built, very smooth. It wasn't really for me. Um, it didn't. I, I appreciated the car, but I didn't long for the car. You're talking about the Wraith, not the Dawn. I'm talking about the Wraith, yeah. So the oh, Dawn right. comes along. Right now. Yeah. You, you take the top off, and wow, it's a completely different ball game. What Obviously. An, <laughs> what an amazing, exceptional car. This are is. You, are you joking? Are you kidding? Are you like fooling with me right now? No. What do you mean? Why would I be fooling with you? What happens? There has to be more than just taking the roof off and suddenly becomes a different vehicle. Dude, I don't know what to tell you. This is probably <laughs> the best convertible I've ever driven in my life. It That's is, ridiculous. It delivers everything. It's incredibly smooth, like I, like the Wraith, but more so. It feels like it feels like the entire car was hewn out of a single block of whatever weird composite material they use. And I know that's a cliche, but there's no cowl you shake. You want cliches? Yeah. <laughs> there's no cowl shake. Nothing moves in the car. 
The doors don't rattle. Nothing rattles. I, Montreal roads are horrendous. That's They're true. the worst in Canada. And this thing felt like I was on a cushion of air the entire time. Yet at the same time, I didn't feel like I was dramatically out of control in some giant land barge. It was just the steering was... I, it, the, the Wraith was kind of like I was at the tiller of a ship. And the Dawn had a little bit of that feel. But it was just, it was smooth to the point where I, I didn't even think there was water under the hull. It was just incredible. <laughs> this is the, this is the V12, Whoa. the twin turbo V12 under the hood. Yeah, as well. it, it goes super fast if you want it to. Uh, there's almost no mechanical noise. There's, there's almost no noise of any kind. If you use the horn in the dawn, <laughs> you sort of hear it, but it's projected out in front of you. So it doesn't disturb you when you're inside the car, which I think is amazing. Like they thought about that. Uh, one thing that's not amazing, it doesn't have cooled seats. For a half million dollars, oh, I want boy. I want cooled seats. But, Especially um, in a convertible. Yeah. 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 yeah, but I had three people in the car because the back seat is enormous. We were cruising around. Um, it gets stupid amounts of attention. Everyone, I don't know what they're thinking because I'm half the age of whoever should be owning this vehicle. So that was that was you, you get to you get to live another life basically because it's the, I, I will never own this vehicle. I don't aspire to own this vehicle. But I was seriously impressed. When That's... I tried the Wraith, when, when, sorry, Sammy, if I may for one quick second. Yeah, sorry, absolutely. Sammy. Um, when I sampled the Wraith last year, I, that feeling you, you mentioned, Ben, is like right on. That feeling that you're in just another dimension of car. Really, you are. I mean, it's the beautiful leather seating and all that. The way the the way the emblem, the spirit of ecstasy telescopes in and out of the hood and all these kinds of things. And the, the doors that are so wide that they have to have an electronic closing mechanism that you can't do on an uphill, apparently. And it's and the umbrella. Does it have? The, does yours have the umbrellas coming out the side of it? It does indeed. The umbrellas does, inside, exactly. the, inside the door jam. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's just, it's, and I, I agree 100%. The whole other world thing is completely right on with your description. Even with the and, top down, it sounds like now. And, you know, like, I had, a, I had an S63 convertible uh, AMG mm-hmm. Mercedes last year, which is ostensibly the same size and aimed at the same customer. And the Dawn is the, the Dawn is so much better. <laughs> is Which it is really cr- a cross shop though? I don't think so. I think this the the C, the S class must be a tiny bit cheaper than the than oh, the it's, Dawn. It's, right? it's a lot cheaper. It's probably half the price, but it's yeah. it's still the same executive customer. I I sure. think. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I guess if you boil it down, the the Rolls Royces they're they're selling to people who already own eight other cars. Exactly. No one's no one's only car is a Rolls Royce. So who knows what else is in the stable? But I think in terms of prestige, um, Mercedes Benz would like to project the S class as being at that level. And I know that now that we have the Maybach or Maybach or however you, I always say it wrong. The Mercedes Maybach. Yeah, so that's that's their kind of direct competitor to Rolls and Bentley. Um, but I was the reason the reason I'm I'm not saying this to disparage Mercedes Benz. What I what I, I guess what I want to say is that S class convertible is excellent. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but. In comparison to the Dawn, the Dawn is more excellent, and like <laughs> that surprised me. Excellent, all the things. Yeah, because you know, price doesn't always equal better. It just doesn't. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it especially when you talk about luxury goods. So much of it is about exclusivity and the badge. Mm-hmm. But I think that the the Dawn is one of the few times where the car. I'm not saying it's worth three hundred ninety thousand, but I'm saying that the experience it offers is probably unmatched. And when it comes to the Dawn, a car like the Dawn, it's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it, right? 
I guess so. I mean, how many right. do they make a year? Not all that uh, many. It's exactly. probably their volume. It's probably their volume convertible. I don't know if they even make another convertible these days. I but I don't think they do anymore. That drophead's um, gone. Yeah. What's your take on the interior of, of the Don? Can you tell me? Is it one of these uh, really fancy, like a different color, like exclusive color? I remember. So I had um, a I had a blue blue steering wheel that matched the blue pinstripe along the side, and there were blue accents. That was really nice. The car itself was white. Okay. That is a. Uh, I do like details like that right and you can do you can get all of that in one of these vehicles yeah you can get anything you want they do a complete bespoke program and is that what makes you feel like a million bucks or what no you know um i would say of all aspects of the dawn the interior is maybe the biggest letdown if you're expecting to be blown away Mm -hmm. uh it's it's functional it looks good it uses a version of bmw's iDrive uh for infotainment it's uh it, it had two lighters in it with ashtrays, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Front seat, rear seat. I mean, you're not going to want for anything, but you're not going to touch something inside the, the interior of the Don and be like, wow, that's amazing. Like, it's not, it's the experience of the car as a whole. Uh, and it, what I also find uh, kind of ranting here interesting about Mercedes, uh, sorry, uh, Rolls Royce, is they've managed to commoditize money. Like, <laughs> I pull into a parking lot with that car, and every single person in the parking lot, regardless of whether they know what it is or what a Rolls Royce is or what cars are expensive, they know that that car is absurdly expensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They know immediately. And that's because Rolls has managed to brand themselves so well that the shape, that hunk of steel, that broad look, the, the chiseled front end, all of that just immediately signals 1%, I'm a terrible master of the universe type of stockbroker person um it's it's communicated immediately and that's incredible that yeah. is a, a really important part and you know what i think that's because you don't see any of them i mean in my opinion i don't see i i barely see these kinds of cars on the road and i think the moment you see it uh in a parking lot you you know that that's something special it's an what, occasion mm-hmm. yeah and what's interesting is in vancouver where i am i often refer to it as like dubai north because some of the fancy cars, there's there's a stretch in the west side of the city that's just dealership after dealership of fancy stuff, right? Um, Lamborghini, Ferrari, and so on. Even there, surrounded by all this crazy Italian metal or whatever, a Don comes in or a Rolls Royce comes in, you still get this feeling. And the Rolls Royce dealer is not quite on that stretch. It's just off of it because they know there's something a little bit different there. You know what I mean? And it's it's even surrounded by all that precious metal. It still manages to have a presence like nothing else. What's interesting is in Montreal, the the Rolls Royce dealer is in is in what used to be a pretty bad neighborhood. Like it was, it was a semi retail and commercial industrial style, and there was not a lot going on around it. Mm-hmm. And then it was slowly colonized by. They're actually in the old Ferrari dealership, which was in the really bad neighborhood for much longer than the Rolls Royce <laughs> one is. And it was colonized by all these luxury car companies. Like there's a Bentley dealership nearby now. There's a Jaguar has a, an Aston Martin have dealerships. And it's just strange how the the neighborhood has changed over the last 10 years. They started building condos nearby, and it's really a renaissance. And it, I think it speaks to whoever whoever opened those dealers either got a really good deal on the yeah. land or they had vision. And either way, I mean, they're set. Yeah, totally. Really? Um, I have a very similar situation going on uh, this week where I'm looking at a car and I'm wondering if the extra cost associated with it is what makes it more special. So this week I have two vehicles. I have the BMW 540i X-Drive, 
and I have as well a Genesis G80 Sport. Um, both of these are considered to be executive size sports sedans, um, all-wheel drive, and they're pretty expensive. While the BMW uh, starts at around 52,000 US, that's for a rear-wheel drive four-cylinder model. My model, which is an all-wheel drive six-cylinder, um, and a bunch it has a bunch of options, comes in at almost 77,000 US. And then when we take a look at the G80 Sport, there's only one way, there's only two ways to get this car. It's with the same engine on, in both ways. It's just rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. There's no additional options you can pick for the vehicle. Even all of the colors and trim levels that you get for the car come at no, uh, not trim levels, but trim accents uh, come at no extra cost. And I think that's really interesting. But the way these two cars drive is very similar. The amount of space they offer is extremely similar. Um, and um, it's very interesting to see a car that costs nearly 20 $20,000 more um, and wonder where that cost is going. Have you guys ever experienced something like that? Yeah, look, look at the fact that this is a car that has almost doubled its original MSRP due to options. And think mm -hmm. about that for a second. Mm -hmm. That's so let me up. tell you the options that my car has. It has none, of, none of those are engine options, right? Yeah, none of those are engine. No. Uh, well, just the the four cylinder, the six cylinder is a step up from the four, the base four cylinder. But you okay. start with a 540 at what price? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it would be somewhere near uh, sixty thousand dollars. Okay, so so you say sixty thousand dollars, and then you spend another thirty thousand dollars. And this is is this Canadian or American? This is uh, American. It would be another sorry, another twenty thousand dollars over the over the base level. So you're spending twenty. I thought it was a ninety thousand dollar car. In Canada, it's ninety grand. Sorry, okay. I should uh, I should clear. I'm really clarify. confused. It starts now. at sixty one five. There you go. In okay, Canada. what is it? And in, and in U.S., it's it's like I don't know. In in the U.S., I I went straight from the base price of a G, of a five thirty and then uh, go straight to my fully loaded uh, five forty. So can you still would, get a five fifty? You can get that's an M five fifty. That's almost on the website. That's listed as like a separate car. It's yeah. like their performance model yeah. starts at eighty. Yeah, but BMW Canada is weird about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. let me just say the. The G80, the, the Genesis, it deserves a lot of credit for, um, for what it's brought to the table. It has a great engine, a really solid transmission. The interior is, uh, is really well-appointed, and the space you have is uh, pretty stunning as well. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of safety features and driver assistance um, technology, and um, all of those you know, little knickknacks that you want in a car, like a head-up display, or Android Auto, it's got heated seats, it's got ventilated seats, it's got a heated steering wheel, um, it's got sunshades in the back. But the BMW takes all of those things and then just does one more um, all the way around and then throws some things in that I don't know if you really need. Uh, for example, my car is optioned with this interesting key, it's like a touch screen. Um, and it yeah. will allow you to remotely park the car, but only in a straight line forward or backwards. It's absolutely a gimmick. It's totally a gimmick. 100%. Um, and you can lock the car from there and set the climate control and all that too, right? Yeah, but you can lock the car yeah, from like any and, – and you can use apps on your phone you to do climate app, control yeah. a, lot of, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of times. Yeah. I mean if you're into that. I, I had a 91.5 series. And uh, it had an onboard computer that you could program to pop the sunroof and turn on the climate. At, at a specific time. 
like inside the car. In using 91, eh? Yeah, in 91. So none of this technology is new, but having it, you know, on a smartphone or having it on a ridiculous remote control. And Sammy, does that remote, is it the same as the one in the 7 Series that, that kills the battery and has to be charged all the time? Yeah, and it's charged inside the vehicle, like in a wireless charging uh, spot in the in the center console. And that's the definition of inconvenience, because yeah. the, whole, the whole, I mean, you want to have that fob in your purse or your pocket and never take it out. I've been carrying like, I, that key and the regular key like all the time and being like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up that car next week, so it's interesting to hear about what you're saying. Uh, I have a 540 as well. I don't know if it's the $90,000 Hajisad special or if it's like <laughs> if it's if it's a lesser 540. There, but, there's uh, some we'll other see. gimmicks in it that I'm not sure are also like. Are, I, what about this 3D gesture control? This is hilarious. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, Terrible. That is it works. It, it it actually works. I've I found that it actually does. Yeah, it like, works like when I'm rocking out to my music and I make a fist pump, it, it mutes the stereo. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you for that, BMW. Um, and then there's also this other thing, this like 3D um, display of the vehicle when you park it, that you can like pretend that you've got a camera pitched behind it and you can rotate it around with your hand. And it's very, wow. it's completely unnecessary. It's but like when Minority Report. Yeah. When you like show Minority friend, Report. Yeah. It's Sorry, exactly like that. When you show your well, friends, they're like, "Wow, that's so cool," and I'm like, "Yeah, but why would I? Why would I be doing this? I can just look outside the car and I can see <laughs> that I'm in the lines, right?" I mean, I don't think the future should require us to have amazing upper body strength just to deal with interactive displays. I mean, that's that's you know, come on, man. We're getting a real. We're getting really far away from toggles and buttons that have worked for a hundred years. <laughs> the 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 it, it's the thing with uh, uh, these displays and and whatnot. First of all, there's no feedback. So you never know if you've pushed or punched or twisted your thumb hard enough to yeah. get whatever you need done properly. It's, it's the like, same yeah. with touch. I'm playing yeah, like a mute version of Bop biggest, Like I don't know whether I'm winning thing. or not. Yeah. But let me ask you guys this, though. Is, is it in some way some kind of bridge to this whole world of autonomy we're thinking of and going forward and connected cars? Is there something with gesture control that kind of connects those and it seems like manufacturers are doing whatever they can to kind of capitalize on these trends it certainly distracts us from driving so if that's if that's what they want i mean yeah. mission accomplished right and then eventually the computer drives and everyone forgets about how we used to like driving ourselves before the right. gesture controls came in and, t and changed our minds that's right but uh, dynamically speaking this car is pretty good and bmw's always set a really strong benchmark in this segment um, is it that is it thirty thousand dollars more? Sorry, twenty thousand dollars more than the Genesis in terms of driving dynamics? Absolutely not, not not at all. Um, but and then that, that that speaks back to the branding thing we were talking about with Rolls Royce earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, but it is six hundred pounds lighter than the Genesis, which is definitely noticeable. Um, how much bigger is the Genesis inside? Not very. Um, it and has what about more length? headroom, just about um, two inches in the back and one inch up front. And then the rear seat space in terms of legroom is more in the BMW, and there's much more cargo space in the BMW as well. That's interesting. Um, do you think that's because of the materials they're using in the BMW, Must or do you be. think because the BMW is a single turbo straight six versus a twin turbo V6? I think both of those uh, elements are at play here. But uh, if you want to talk about the power of that engine, um, it it doesn't feel that much difference. The, different. The way the BMW delivers that power is much more smoother and refined. It's just like the way we we described um, that Q60 in the past. It kind of just like stretches it out over the rev range. And it feels nice. It feels like a what's natural. It what's it rated at? 335 horsepower okay, so and 332 no, pound feet of torque. And there's no way it's producing that, right? It's probably like what close to 400. I, uh, I my butt dyno's out of whack. Let me tell you. 
Because um, that the, the three six is it three sixty five in the uh, G eighty? It is three sixty five, and it delivers it like almost immediately. It feels like yeah. a, it feels it goes boom, and you're going wow, I'm going fast. I'd be really surprised if the if the if that three three point three liter was under four hundred as well. Mm-hmm. I've driven it. I have only driven it in the G ninety, and I'll be driving it again actually at the end of the month. Um, and it it felt incredibly smooth and fast. Uh, the G ninety is really impressive. Super yeah, impressive. and that's a bigger car, so it, yeah, it's, it's a huge you know. car. I'm I'm going to say something that's a little weird. Um, in the in the past, you? we've always looked no. at we've always looked at like these Genesis vehicles and said, oh, they're on the they're on the up, right? So let's compare them to luxury vehicles, but you know, not the real luxury vehicles. We'd we'd say like, here's a Volvo, here's a Cadillac. Uh, are, you going back to the, are you going back to the Hyundai Genesis days? Like you're talking about like yeah. the model and everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then and he's I think also like current... he's also trash talking uh, Volvo and Cadillac in the process. Look, oh, we all know God. that they don't sell th- those those brands don't sell at the same level as BMW, Audi, and Mercedes. So we we and we've been in those vehicles in the past, and they're not up to that standard. I honestly think it's about time we should stop treating Genesis like uh, like this, you know. Second-rate luxury vehicle, and Black we need to put it in the same. Stepsister. We need to start putting it in the same breath as, uh, as some of these German you. automakers and some of the Japanese ones, like maybe Lexus. In fact, I don't know if Lexus has made a, a compelling car. Although the LC is really something else. The um, LC is cool, but you're right. I mean, I, I mean, at this point, why would you take a Lexus over a Genesis other than build quality? And even that is. Or if you want an SUV. If you want an SUV. Brand recognition. Brand recognition, though. I guess so, hard. but I mean, it, Lexus has that kind of weird brand like recognition where it's like, it's a nice O'Neal? car, but it's I don't know. It, yeah. yeah, I mean that's where I'm at right now, and uh, I think that's what this experience has has really taught me. While the Genesis isn't all that that the BMW is, it's mostly that. And uh, I take I take a G80, I take a G80 over an E Class, no question. That's really impressive. I haven't driven the the brand new E Class. Uh, Neither have I. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting that. Uh, in my you missed head. you missed one of the biggest parts about Genesis is the Genesis Home Delivery Service. Now this is Being only in Canada, so I don't know if, how many Canadian to U.S. listeners we have. So okay. U.S. listeners, uh, I don't know, don't like plug your ears or move to Canada. But sure. why don't you? Why don't it it you... applies to the states too because they have the concierge service. Yeah, but they don't get that same like order the car online and then the car gets like delivered to you. You can do that. Interesting. If you want to and pay more. And in Canada, they they are built. They do have dealerships coming online in Canada, um, so that that will be a part of Canadian the Canadian experience soon. I actually talked with a, a Hyundai project product planner who shall remain nameless um, recently, and he talked about how the dealerships are well on their way. Uh, they've mm-hmm. they've got a few strategic cities they're hitting first in Canada, but uh, they're it's going to kind of be a side by side model with the uh, online ordering. So is that concierge service right now just because they don't have the dealer network? Is that why? No, it's it's because they want to keep people out of Hyundai dealerships as much as possible. They want oh, it to yeah. be unique. Right. They want it to be a unique experience, yeah. and as a result, uh, the the concierge it, it's 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 that combined with the fact that it's a hell of a lot more convenient for someone to drop off the exact same version of your car in your own driveway when it's time for an oil change, and that way you don't have to right. go anywhere. You know, you just pick it up, and it's super simple. And if sense. you're talking about service, Genesis also offers a, a 10-year, I think it's 100,000 miles, so I guess it's 160,000 kilometer uh, mm-hmm. warranty. So if that's that's some value right there. Years. And there's also no haggle pricing. What you pay is the same thing that the president of, of Hyundai would pay. So they uh, it, 
<laughs> service is really the only way these car companies are going to be able to distinguish themselves moving forward. I mean, you talk about all the technology that's loaded into the 5 Series, that whole gimmicky parking itself thing. That's BMW saying, look at me, look at me, we're better than the other guy. When in reality, luxury cars are all pretty good, and it's really hard for anyone to stand out. It's easy to buy performance, it's easy to buy luxury, it's easy to buy comfort. So it, what's not easy to buy is time, and that's kind of what yeah, Genesis ooh, was good pushing. One. Well done there, ben. I mean, wow. well, it, Genesis has well been pushing done. that as their agenda. They're like, you know, you make a lot of money, you deserve to be pampered, you deserve to have your time to yourself, don't worry about anything, we'll take care of it. And you look at Cadillac uh, in New York City with Cadillac Book, yep. which is an entirely new way. Yeah, of of selling and and approaching the customer, where you can drive any Cadillac in the fleet, uh, anything in the showroom, whenever you want. You yeah. pay a monthly fee, and that's what you do. That's a really that's a unique and interesting way to approach the business. So I I want to see more of this, and I'm glad that we're seeing it. Very well said, Ben. Um, I'm going to wrap this up, if you don't mind, guys. Uh, First of all, I want to thank Dan for being on the podcast. Thank you for for joining us. And people can. uh, Do you have any upcoming stories that you want people to check out, and where you can find them? Uh, Yeah, the uh, my whole that about that France trip. um, I got a big, big story coming up on Autotrader.ca about that. Lots of great pictures of the car and some cool locations. Uh, And uh, I've got a couple of. uh, I've got a. I've got a really. I know it sounds kind of. Lane, but it's not. I mean, I've got an Ionic, Ionic hybrid versus Prius uh, comparison test that mm-hmm. is that's me and a colleague did together. Uh, I'm and, I'm absolutely looking forward to that because I think yeah. it's about time that just like we were saying with these luxury cars, um, yeah. I think maybe Toyota's uh, been been resting a little bit while Hyundai yeah. has been really um, absolutely amping up or warming up they, the machines. They weren't resting when they made those taillights. <laughs> um, ooh, ooh, and, oh. Yeah, ben, right. why don't we? Uh, so thank you, thank thank you again, Dan, and people can be taking a look at that on Autotrader.ca. And Ben, why don't we tell the folks how to get in touch with us? I would always welcome people. Uh, say hello via Twitter. You can find me at Sammy underscore Ha, like you're laughing, just like the way Dan and Ben were laughing at me earlier today. With, and with, you can with. find uh, Ben at ben, uh, Hunting Benjamin. And you can, and find- you can also. Sorry, where, where, where can they find you, Dan? Yeah, uh, Dan the Wheelman, at Dan the Wheelman. Wonderful. And they can also and, find uh, us on Facebook, on the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. And on SoundCloud, under the same name. And if you go on iTunes or Google Play Music, you can find us and rate us there. Rating is awesome. If you do that, it helps us find a bigger audience, so we appreciate that. It's Unnamed Automotive Podcast on both of those services. Perfect. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Thank you, everyone.